Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Casey. So this is the news of real estate. This is the business of real estate. And what is the lawsuit about and how is this going to affect realtors and buyers and sellers uh, moving into the future? Um, so first of all, let's do a recap. It's all about commissions. Are realtors overcharging buyers and sellers? Um, are they in collusion to overcharge buyers and sellers? Uh, I'm going to take you back real quick. A lot, you know, back in the day, it was customary. Maybe all the realtors were doing five, six, seven percent in commissions. And every realtor is different. They can all have their own business model. But let's say that people were offering, they were charging six percent to a seller and they would give away three percent to the buyer's agent and keep three percent for themselves. That was customary for the time. All of the homes that were sold basically had that structure of commission. So as time went on, Danny came, Danny Sampson came on, and all sellers should thank Danny Sampson. He said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to charge 4.5%. We're going to get a ton of listings. We're going to make it up in volume. Uh, we're going to get buyers. We're going to do all of this stuff. And we're going to do listings better than everybody else. So it was more of what I would call the Costco model, right? I'm going to do superior product, lower prices, and make it up on volume. So that is, in fact, the Costco model. So he got going on that, and and uh, I started to see him have huge success doing that. And I, in 2005, I think I jumped back in. 2007, I I, I really went full bore, and and used that model of two percent to the uh, to the listing agent and two and a half percent to the selling agent. So the question was, you know, and a lot of agents would come in and say, look, if you're not charging, you know, if you're not paying six percent, you're getting discount prices. So they used the word discount a lot. And that was, that had a lot to do with this lawsuit, you know, um, agents trying to get sellers to pay 6% and saying, if they don't pay it, they're going to, you know, get discount service and whatnot, which is, was just not true. Okay. So, you know, I put up with this for a long time. Well, the lawsuit was that the companies were kind of training their agents on how to get 6% and most teams and all will train their agents on how to scare sellers into paying 6%, you know, tell them nobody's coming to your house if you don't pay a, a full service, what they would call full service. So, so they got sued and they lost $1.7 billion. What we said was true was true. I mean, you don't have to pay 6%. And I think that by intimidating sellers into trying or talking them into it. Now, should some agents charge 6%? Absolutely. If they've got a client base that's been with them for 20 or 30 years, and that's the way they've always done business, just stay with it. Just stay with it. That's what your clients are paying. They feel comfortable with the agents. Just, just run with that model, right? But if you're going to compete to, with a seller, you're going to compete against other agents, you must be competitive. So a seller has to look at what am I paying and what are my goods and services I'm getting, and then make their own decision, right? So, so that's the way it is. And the other part of this lawsuit was, should a seller pay a buyer's agent? <clears throat> should they do it? We've been arguing this for since the millennium. I mean, this has been going on forever. Now, in 1985, a guy named Jim Workington started a thing called buyer brokerage. And a buyer broker would go to the buyer and say, the seller's paying me, so I have to do what's in the best interest of the seller. I want to work for you, the buyer. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. You're going to sign an agreement that I'm going to work for you and represent you, a buyer brokerage agreement. And in that, we're going to say that the seller is going to pay, the buyer requests, 
that the seller paid two and a half or three percent to me, the selling agent, on your behalf. It's already in the listing, but they're paying it on your behalf so I can work for you. And because of that, I can also, because we put that in the contract, I can also show you expireds, withdrawals, foreclosures, uh, FISBOs, people that are not offering a full service um, commission to a buyer broker. So in fact, it opens up the, the amount of properties you can look at. It doesn't cost you anything because the seller's paying it anyways. So, so you know, you get that representation by a buyer broker. Well, that was 1985. The same thing holds true today. All of the agents on the Casey Sampson team, we are working with buyers and we're having them sign buyer broker agreements. And it's going to say the same thing it did in 1985. The buyer requests that the seller pay 2.5% to our agent on the buyer's behalf. That way I can represent the buyer. I can show them extra properties. I can do all we want. And should an agent go out there and not offer a commission to, to agents, um, then we're protected in that. And we can keep, keep going on with the transaction. So you're going to see some agents say, I'm only, we're only going to pay 2%. We are not paying a buyer broker agreement. We're not going to pay for the buyer's rep. Well, in my opinion, and again, no collusion. I'm not telling you. It is what it is. This is the way I'm doing my thing. I'm one of the biggest listing agents. Well, I'm the biggest listing agent in the state of Virginia, a medium team. So we offer two and a half percent because we're trying to get as much of the buyer pool into the house as humanly possible. The more buyers that walk in, the more contracts we get, the better, the higher the prices, the better the terms. So the goal is to get entice everybody to bring them in, show the property um, to their clients. So the comparables I use to price a property basically all have the seller paying both the buyer and the selling uh, commission. So this way it's historically been done. So that's the way the comps read. So let's say uh, somebody's not offering a commission and they're not doing a buyer broker the way we're doing it. Then an agent looks at that and says, well, I'm not going to get paid if I sell my client this house. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to show that house or my buyer has to pay me out of his pocket, which means he's got to pay down payment, closing costs, whatever he's going to take to fix up the house and my commission. So, so that's going to, and again, I love people that are always trying to help the little guy. Does that help the big guy or the little guy? It kills the little guy. The person is coming in that's stretched on money, doesn't have a lot of money for a down payment, closing costs. They need help. Now you're going to throw a commission on them as well. So, I mean, all these do-gooders that say we're going to help the little guy, not the big guy, is is ridiculous. This absolutely 100% hurts inexperienced agents that don't know how to handle it, inexperienced buyers that don't have the money to pay for a realtor for representation. So then what are they going to do? Go directly to the listing agent who represents the seller and have no representation whatsoever? It's ridiculous. So the very simple answer is, for our listings, we're certainly offering 2.5% to the selling agents because that does, historically, that's the way it's been done. That's what works. That's what's proven to get the maximum amount of people in the house. So we're not changing. For our buyer agents, yes, we are. We're just going to make sure the buyer broker agreement is there and it's in place. Now, to date, 98% of all listings are the exact same. They have a listing commission. They have a selling commission. It's the exact same.
but there's going to be a change where sellers are starting to ask the question, can we just list for 2% and not give the buyer agent anything? And you can, if you want to cut your buyer pool down, if you want to cut your buyer pool down and understand this, if a buyer is looking at a house and a buyer says, I need to redo the kitchen. That's going to cost me $30,000. So instead of paying full price for the house, they will reflect that in the price. I'm going to have to pay $30,000 to redo the kitchen. So I'm going to offer less money. Same thing holds true with commission. If I have to pay $15,000 in commission, I'm offering less money on this house. So not only does the seller get less buyers walking in the house, but the contracts that are going to come in are going to reflect that. They've got to pay their, their agent money. So it's really a, uh, on the listing side, yeah, I think that, that the collusion of you have to pay 6% and, and understand that that's just the way the models work for the big companies. If a big company gets a percentage of the commission and a percentage goes to the listing agent, their model is a percentage goes to their company. Well, if like Samson Properties, Danny comes along and says, we're not going to charge you any commissions so you can give the seller a better commission rate. So instead of giving the commission to the broker, you're giving it to the seller. Now, what does that do? Gets you more listings, gets more buyers in the door, you know, more business. Uh, so you can offer great service and reduce pricing and make it up on the volume. So, so that's kind of the gist of this. Um, not saying I don't agree with the, the, you know, people in collusion on the six percenters, but again, if you've been doing that your whole career, that's fine. What I find distasteful is an agent comes out of the academy, they have not done any listings, and they're going to tell that seller why they they deserve 6%. They've never done it before. Whereas you got an agent like us that comes in at $160 million a year that have been doing this for years and years and have all this technology, we're charging four and a half, but they're going to call us discount. So so yeah, there's, there's that, okay? But um, again... For the older realtors that have been doing this a long time and that they've got their client base, that's what they want to charge and they're happy and they're comfortable, fine. Nothing, nothing's going to change. But I think the collusion part of it was uh, that everybody's got to offer that or everybody's going to do that. It's, they have some liability there. So that lawsuit will go on for the next couple of years. Um, we'll see how it ends up. I'm sure a lot more people are going to get sued. Um, attorneys are like that. They smell money and they come a running, right? They smell fire. They see smoke. They come a running. So the attorneys are coming to running right now. So, so let's see how that works. Let's see how that old model worked here um, real quick. And this is first, we're going to talk about the lawsuits. Then we're going to talk about what it means to buyers, sellers, and realtors. Um, rates are falling. And I want to talk about that today. And then the lack of inventory has not hurt sales. Okay. So, so we talked about the commission structure and the business model, right? So how does that work? Long and foster primarily 6%. That's the way the model has gone for them. This is market share of the Long and Foster brand. This is market share of the Samson Properties brand. So that Danny Sampson that came out with that, hey, I'm going to do four and a half percent. I'm going to do full service. Um, worked out pretty well. In fact, the Costco model works. The Whole Foods model sucks. Um, you know, I and I, I say that with pride because you know I coach football and I'll get off late and I have to go get a steak and I. Hope to God I don't have to go to Whole Foods because I paid $26 for a New York strip and it sucks. It's it's not good. It's just not good. 
But if I go to Costco, I'll buy a bunch of them, like five of them and vacuum seal them and have them in my refrigerator or my freezer and ready to go. A Costco New York strip is 10 times better, prime, it's 10 times better than a Whole Foods uh, New York strip, which is choice. And not only is it better, but you buy five of them for 55 bucks, over there it costs $26 for one. So again, uh, reduce price, increase quality, make it up on volume. Costco, no problem associating my brand or Samsung Properties brand with Costco. So down here, you see some of the guys that got sued. There's Compass down here. This is their percentage of the market share. Pearson Smith, Keller Williams, another one involved in the in the suit. So, so you have the you know the larger realtors, and that's their market share. And look at look at Danny and Samson Properties up there. So, so you know, yes, can you make it up in volume? Yes, you can. That's a look at Vienna, which is one of our top markets. And you'll see up on top, we did eighty six million last year in Vienna. And the average top producer does about 10 or 11. So eight times the volume makes a lot more money than not doing eight times the value. So, so there again, Costco model. And the fact that our listings sell in the first six days means the quality is very, very high. The sooner your property sells, the higher the price, the better the terms, the more backup contracts we have, the less risk we take. So in here, again, uh, number one team in Virginia. This is the medium-sized teams in the state of Virginia. The medium to me is always preferred because it's under 10 agents, which means each agent is doing about $20, $30 million. They're all studs. They're all, you know, monsters. And, and if you get to 20, 30, 40, then the quality control of the agents goes down and the participation in each deal is eliminated by the, by the, um, you know, the team leader. So I want to be at every house. I want to do every pricing. I want to see every house. I want to be involved in all the makeup. But then the top producer that's with me is going to carry that forward and work it through to the end. But they're, and they're all excellent and they're very good and they're very, and they're younger because they see things on preparing a house that I don't see. I'm 65. Yellow looks fine to me, not to them. So, so they prepare the home in a transitional state. Not not a traditional, but a transitional state. So that today's buyers, um, you know, it appeals to them. So, you know, how's that working out? It's working out pretty good. So let's talk about the economy right now. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about interest rates. Now, interest rates fell at least a half a point, if not a little bit more, this week. Mm -hmm. So, as you've heard me say on the show. There's a chain reaction to interest rates. And interest rates are a major portion of value in real estate and what people have to pay on a monthly basis, right? So if, if we drop a half a point in interest rate, a buyer pays $600 less per, on a million dollar loan, $600 less per month than they did at the higher rate, right? So it's very important. So if it drops a full point, you're $1,200 off your mortgage payment, right? So this is very important. So where does it all start? In my opinion, not an economist, realtor, but old guy that's seen a lot, it all starts with the oil fields. How many barrels of oil are we pumping a day? If you shut off the oil supply, you, you, the next thing here is gas prices. So if you increase the supply of oil, 
you drop the price of gas, right? Now, energy prices affect everything. They affect the, the trucks that bring our food in. They affect heating and cooling. They affect everything. So high energy costs run up. High energy costs run up everything. Conversely, when you pump a lot of oil, you drop the gas prices. When you drop the gas prices, you drop the inflation. When you drop the inflation, you drop the 10-year bonds. So if you can see the correlation here, less oil, higher prices, higher interest rates, higher inflation, higher interest rates. So somebody got the memo right about here, and this looks like 723. So this was in July. Somebody got the memo. You better start pumping some oil and you better get it going now. So boom, oil production is up per day. This is per day. This is 13 million, 13.2 million barrels a day in gas. Gas prices are coming down, which we've all seen. Inflation has come down, which we've all seen. And now you're starting to see the interest rates tick down. Now, this is a 10-year treasury bill. And that is the first indicator of where interest rates are going. So if you take the 10-year treasury, and you add 1.7% on top of that. So in this case, 1.7 on this is 6.115. So that's where the 30-year rates should be. So they should be, should be about 6.15%. And that's, that's the, if we don't go any further, but it looks like we're trending down, right? It looks like oil is trending up. Gas prices are trending down, inflation is trending down, interest rates are trending down. So it doesn't have to trend down anymore in order for them to be at 6.125. That's where they should be. So why aren't they? Well, let's look at a historical chart. The this, and again, I'm sorry for those of you that are listening to this on a podcast. Um, you know, what we're doing is we're reviewing charts of oil production and then gas prices and then uh, inflation and interest rates. And you can clearly see as one goes up, the other goes down. As prices of gas go down, inflation goes down. And as inflation goes down, interest rates go down. So now what we're looking at is a chart from, uh, this is a chart where the bottom line is the 10-year bond, okay? And you can see the correlation. Uh, it's a chart that shows the 10-year bond and 30-year fixed interest rates. And as one goes down, the other goes down. As one goes up, the other goes up. Now, historically, uh, if you see the gray sections, if you're looking at this on, on, on your computer, the gray sections are when the separation between the two, the 30-year fixed and the 10-year bond, goes over 200 basis points, which in layman's terms is 2%. So we can see that right this second, we're in that phase where the interest rates at seven and a half percent are clearly higher than they should be. So it, when this returns to the white section, like you see, which it will, you're gonna find that interest rates really should have been at 6.125 all along. Well, not all along, but I mean, right now they should. So, so, why are they high? Why, why are they artists? Why are they so high? 
Well, they're so high because two things drive the market, fear and greed. And they fear that the rates will continue to go up. So they're buffering, they're buffering themselves an extra full point to a point and a quarter above where rates should almost be. They're trying to hedge their bets. But now all bets are off. And now the bets are starting to be that the rates are going down and inflation is going down because somebody got the memo that you better pump some oil in this place, right? So in my opinion, that's where we are, where it, it would not surprise me that if people were buying homes at, in, the, in the five soon, um, it wouldn't shock me at all. Easily get to, easily get to the low sixes, probably get to the, to the mid five. So the question is, do we wait or do we sell? Okay, so in here, this, now I'm showing you charts that have to do with inventory sales. So all of my charts start with a, a question. It's like, you know, it seems like, it seems like, it seems like there was more inventory between 19, uh, 2016 and 2019, as opposed to 2000, since the pandemic, 2020 January to today. It just, it just seems like that whole period there was more. So there was more inventory. So the red that you're seeing right here is this is the amount of the three-year inventory compared to the three-year inventory of 2016 to 2019, November of 2019, same period. So the inventory is down. From the pandemic, it's down. That is artificially keeping prices high. So as inventory is low, next chart is gonna show you that that is the time to sell your property, okay? So the other thing I have on this chart, so the red is the amount of inventory. This is Vienna down 21%, Fairfax down 19%, Arlington down 10, uh, Prince William inventory down 16. These are homes that were put on the market. These are homes that were put on the market. There's 13% less homes in, in Loudoun County over the three-year period than there was between uh, 2016 and 2019. 16% is the average. So on average, we our inventory shrank 16%. Now, the green, I also have green little pyramids here, and those are sales. Those are actual sales that happen between the period of 2016 and 19 versus 2020 to 23. I call the pandemic era, okay? Well, they're only down 3%, 5%. Uh, in fact, Loudoun County was up 1%. So what does that tell you? that not all the homes that were listed sold, right? So even though the inventory is, is lower, our sales are still the same. So that tells me that back when we had more homes listed, they didn't all sell. Next chart. The success rate in the pandemic era is 96 or 86% on average. 86% of the homes sold that were listed. Back in 2016 to 19, 74% on average were sold. So what does that mean? That means that 26% of the homes didn't sell back in 16 to 19. And that only 14% didn't sell in uh, 2020. We're looking at the chart again, and it's showing that 
26% of the homes in, in the era when they had plenty of inventory just didn't sell. So again, this chart tells me that you buy when they cry and you sell when they yell, you sell when there's low inventory. I am starting to show, um, I'm starting to show um, sellers what happened in 2016. And I show them a list from the MLS where there was 62 homes listed uh, between 1.5 and $2 million in Vienna and only two were under contract, right? So when's the best time to sell when there's no inventory? That's without a doubt, best time to sell. Um, buyers, um, buyers, I think, have an opportunity right now because you can buy a house. And I think that interest rates going down uh, means a couple things. One, float the rate, don't lock. So let it float, don't lock. Float means I go in, I put in my application, and I'm going to lock the rate to today's rate. Well, if they're floating down, let them float down. And if you talk to good lenders, they'll let you maybe lock with a float option where you can float down with that rate. So, so you know, my my point is I would just float it right now. If, if there's any indication on that 10-year bond that starts to tick back up, that's your indicator, lock it. And a good realtor and a good lender will guide you on that but I would let it float. But there's a lot of homes that are withdrawing and, and expiring right now, a lot of them. And there are homes that are sitting that were overpriced because as you've seen, I've shown you charts before where homes were valued 100 or 200,000 sold, we're selling 100 or $200,000 more a year ago than they're selling today. But sellers, sellers still see that and say, well, I want that price. Well, it's not that day. It's a different day, right? But but home values are still 8% higher on average than the value line. And the value line is what would it be worth if it just rose with inflation? So, you know, what we're seeing is that the prices are still 8% higher than they should be. So now is the time to make your move. It's, it's time for sellers to get in while there's low inventory. It's a time for buyers to find some of those people that have made mistakes. Don't come looking for my stuff. My, we're putting on, we're going to get mobbed. We're going to get sold. No problem. But if, if they listen, if, if we don't price it high, if we price it regular, we're good to go. Um, this week. $850,000 listing sold for 900,000, plenty of contract, plenty of backups. You know, it's just, that happens, right? So we had three sales, I guess, last week. So, you know, we just need to understand the rules. So if you have any question about the commissions, if you have any question about how we go moving forward, whether it's a buyer, seller, or realtor, um, you can reach me at 703-508-2535. Um, I'm old and very transparent. I have no time to give anybody uh, bad information. I just call it like I see it. I have no filter. I have absolutely no filter. I've seen a lot. I've been in a lot of these. I've seen it go up. I've seen it go down. I've seen oil prices go up and down. I've seen it all. More than happy. More than happy to help. Uh, always happy to help the Samson Properties. We had a huge seminar um, with all the top producers come out. Uh, Samson Properties sponsored it. And really, I've never seen so many agents, big agents, $300 million agents, 
be so transparent and open and literally open their books of what they do and how they do it and giving advice to realtors. Spectacular achievement for Donnie Sampson and the, and the team over at Sampson Properties. Could not be prouder of it. And I think back to Danny when he was saying, hey, uh, I think we could go four and a half percent and charge, you know, do full service and da 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 da, da make it up on volume. He lives in a very big house right now, right? He did very good. Sampson Properties did very good. Donnie's very smart. Donnie's making it happen. Um, I do believe, um, and I don't have any interest in Sampson Properties other than I have a team that works there. I think they're game, set, match. I think the commission lawsuit is game, set, match. Because all the models, Compass, Long and Foster, um, Keller Williams, uh, Century 21, they all depend on income coming in from the commission. Danny does not. Don does not. Sam's Properties does not. So that allows the agents to get lower commissions. Let us spend money on geofencing. Let us spend money on Julie, who does great things for our sellers. Let us spend more money on bringing in top producers to help work on these deals with us. So, so I, I think it's game set match. And that that um, that chart that I saw, you know, that I showed you about Sampson Properties going up. Again, I don't make money on them. Don't make money on them at all. But I just think he's game set match. So I think his idea worked. I think going Costco instead of Whole Foods has worked. Uh, everybody's got their own preference, Whole Food people and Costco people. But I'm going to tell you, I hate walking in there, but I love going to get those steaks. And I love getting there, the deals that I get in there. Um, went in, $200 uh, uh, Oakleys. I just kind of wandered over there. Five bucks for a great pair of Oakleys. I was going to spend $225 on. So anyways, uh, being associated with Costco is not a bad thing. My name is Casey Sampson. You've been listening to Coffee with Casey. I took a look at how many people watch this show, and I really want to thank you all for kind words that you tell me when we go to these seminars and for taking a part of your day to learn this. I hope you learn something from us. I hope you learn how to do it right. I hope sellers don't lose money. I hope buyers find the homes they want. Uh, that's what we're here to do. You can reach me at 703-508-2535 or Casey at CaseyStampson.com. To stay up to date on market conditions, just go to CaseyStampson.com and hit market update. We update those every week, and they are critical to us helping buyers and sellers work through this market. We'll see you again next week. Bye now.